week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. And when you're there, put a referral code BRAND13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3, that'll tell them that I sent you, or BRAND9 to tell them that Jay sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, we talk about Lincoln Riley going to USC and who the next Oklahoma head coach might be. We grade out Billy Napier to Florida. Also, Brian Kelly possibly going to LSU, Oklahoma and Texas, and if they're in trouble getting into the SEC. We do a weekend recap, talk about Nebraska being the best 3-9 and nine team in the country, Michigan defeating Ohio State, Bedlam, Coach O's last home game, and I have a little rant about the Nittany Lions. We end the episode talking about conference championship weekend. And Jay and I's top four. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome back to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. Jay, we have a lot to talk about. The domino effect of college football in regards to coaching hires is in full effect. The big news from the weekend, Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma to go to beautiful Southern California. Jay, is this? do you think this is a shock? I, it definitely surprised me, uh, but I'll tell you what, how smooth was Lincoln Riley whenever he was like, I'm not going to be the next coach at LSU. <laughs> cut, cut off the reporter. Cut off the reporter so he wouldn't ask about USC and immediately said next question. Yeah. Very smooth. Incredible. Very, very smooth of Lincoln Riley. Um, I mean, it's a surprise because – I mean, you live in the Southwest. Um, Oklahoma is one of the blue blood, one of the big blue blue blood programs in the country. It's one of the best jobs in the country. And even there, it was no match uh, for Southern California, its recruits, its weather, and just its location. And I don't know, it's, it's... USC, I mean, I think you and I may have talked about this earlier. It is one of the best jobs in the country, and it's proving so each and every day because Lincoln Riley just left one of the best jobs in the country, a consistent, uh, consistent conference champion, a always getting into the playoff, not winning playoff games, but they're at least in the dance, and their coach was taken away from them. Well, here's the thing. Lincoln Riley – a lot of his success at OU 
came recruiting Southern California. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to coach in Southern California. He doesn't have to pull kids out of the state. He probably can recruit even better there now than he was at OU. You got to think, I mean, it's an easier path to the championship than the SEC would have been mm-hmm. uh, without a doubt. Uh, and so I'm looking at this and all the factors. And then also, I mean, the, the rumor I've heard on the contract was $110 million uh, 10 years, which is, I mean, 11 million a year is pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. uh, and then, I mean, it's hard to say no to that kind of money. It's hard to say no to, you know, the visibility of that program. Uh, obviously OU is a great job, but there's so much uncertainty with moving to a new conference. I, you know, I, I can see why he may want to make the move. A lot of people are going to say he's scared of the SEC. And honestly, I mean, maybe he is, but there's a reason. I mean, it does make his path to the playoff immensely harder when he has to go through teams uh, like Alabama and Georgia to get to that conversation. Uh, it, the West Coast, I mean, Pac-12 football, you're looking at Oregon. And that's really the only other top-tier program in the Pac-12 right now. Now, there are some other universities that are solid programs. Uh, I think UCLA under Chip Kelly is tough, um, not going to be a top-tier program. Uh, Utah is another one that's going to give people problems no matter who they are. Uh, But, again, they're they're just not going to recruit at the level to be a a championship-caliber team. Lincoln Riley at USC – can absolutely recruit to be a championship caliber team. So we'll we'll see how it turns out. But it was it was definitely a shock for me to see him decide to leave the blue blood program in OU. Yeah, um, and that's so if he goes to the SEC and he's pulling these kids out of California, you know how many how many guys is he still going to be able to pull when all of your away games are going to be even farther now? Exactly. Um, you know, and, and again, so my whole thing, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but is Oklahoma going to be more Nebraska in the SEC, which I don't think they will, or will they follow suit with Texas A&M, where Texas A&M, you know, not only do they recruit Texas decently well, but they can also go to the Northeast. They're starting to pull guys from the, from the Southeast, where Oklahoma's getting guys from the West Coast. So... It's one of those things where, again, I don't think Lincoln Riley is is sitting there with his tail between his legs saying, well, I don't want to play in the SEC. No, it's also a business move. Um, If if you're going going to be Oklahoma and you're going to now go to the SEC and now you're only winning nine games a year, yeah, that's really good. But guess what? You'll never get another job like that. And and you'll kind of plateau until they're sick of you and now – and now you're starting over somewhere else um, because it's a cutthroat. College football is a cutthroat uh, business. Um, it is. West Coast, there's more certainty. You know, USC fans are not as rabid, and I think almost to a fault because if the team isn't really good, they're not going to show up to games. But on the flip side of that, if they are very good, they will be there. Yes, they will. I mean, we saw that with Pete Carroll and the the star power that they had on the USC sidelines whenever mm-hmm. he was there. I mean, if Lincoln Riley can get them to that level, I mean, you could easily see uh, the support show up, and he would have 
a lot of grace with those fans. All he has to do is is get back to the Pac-12 championship a few times, and all of a sudden he's in fans' good graces, and they want him to stay there forever. Yeah, so I I agree with that. But to a degree, I also disagree. Because if, say, he goes there in two years, he goes to the Pac-12 championship. Let's just say his third year he wins a Pac-12 championship. And then the next couple years, let's just say he's he's there in a Pac-12 championship, but like he's only winning 10 games a year. They still can't get over that playoff hump. USC will then come out and say, well, we got to get over this hump. We're never going to get there with Lincoln Riley. It happens everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, again, once Nick Saban, if Nick Saban has a couple more years of 10 and 2 and not making the playoff, you're going to start hearing Saban needs to retire noise. Um, again, is that though? I know that's just fanatical, but don't. I mean, it's the way fans operate, and it's the way boosters operate. They're spending oh, yeah. so much money, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If, if, and the thing is, Lincoln Riley, I believe, is a home run, like an A plus home run hire. I think at the very worst, USC is going to be a top 15 program consistently. And, I mean, honestly, I think USC is a better fit for him than LSU would have been, 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100% USC is the better fit. Um, but, like I said, if, if the very worst out of a coaching hire you're going to get is top 15 team, I think that's a home run hire. Absolutely. Absolutely a home run hire. And, you know, once in a while you're going to compete for that national title, you know, Pac-12 championship. But USC is right back in it. And 100% easily. I mean, easily, next year, right I think back in it. overnight, overnight, they're right back in it. And again, it's legal. Does Caleb Williams go with them? Does his recruits go with them? Oh, I think it's, I think all those the recruiting class. Yeah. Gone. All the, all those guys that just decommitted that are from Southern California are absolutely gone. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. I think they'd be foolish not to, um, but the good news for everyone, it's basically everyone else is going to be swimming in Oklahoma's wake because once a bunch of those guys decommit, oh, the transfer portal is going to get very interesting. Yep. Because those guys are going to start uh, transferring out in that portal and all these different schools are going to start picking them up. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be wild to see. Uh, but that does bring up a new point too is – how does OU stabilize as a program? Who's going to be the new head coach there at Oklahoma? So, Jay, who do you who do you think's going to Oklahoma? Because I I have my pick. Who do you think's going? Man, I have no idea. Uh, legitimately, I'm just kind of not sure what they're thinking. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being. Brent Venables, just because of the history with the program mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that I think OU likes him. That's a relationship that has been good in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously Bob Stoops is the interim coach. I don't think Bob wants to come back full time. No. He loves OU and will always uh, go to bat for OU in situations like this. But, I mean, I, I think he's had a great run and, and wants to stay retired but is going to enjoy this interim position. But there's another member of the Stoops family at Kentucky mm-hmm. that I think would be a great hire for OU as well. 
So do you think Mark Stoops would be a good hire for Oklahoma? I do. I, I honestly do. Uh, my only worry with that is, I mean, you, you look at it. He's so he checks a lot of boxes, right? Mm-hmm. The Stoops name. I mean, OU fans would probably be behind that. He's already played in the SEC or already coached in the SEC, so he knows uh, the ins and outs of the conference well. And he's done a great job at Kentucky, who is a historically terrible football program, and yeah. and got them. I mean, in, in the top two of the SEC East. Mm-hmm. which is the East as strong as the West, generally no, but it's still an impressive accomplishment uh, considering where he is. I mean, I think you can look at that program today and say they're easily ahead of South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee uh, as a program. Uh, but uh, I think it's also to a point where Kentucky has kind of reached their ceiling. So it makes sense for Stoops to move on uh, at this time if he were to make a move, right? Uh, which is why I think – it's a natural fit there at OU, but I don't know that OU wants to go that direction either. Uh, you know, it's it's not as much of a splash hire as I think OU is going to look to make, but we'll see. So uh, I agree. Mark, Mark Stoops, uh, he does check those boxes. I just don't think his style is fitting for what Oklahoma is now. Mark right. Stoops' style is what Oklahoma was in the early 2000s. Ground and pound, de- good defense. Um, I, I don't disagree, but I also think there's going to have to be a little bit of a transition period for OU joining the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't – I honestly, I don't think whoever the first coach is in their SEC run is going to be successful. I think it's going to take one coach to get into the SEC, and then from there – they find the guy that they need to to be successful in the long run as a program. This first guy that gets hired is going to be more of a scapegoat, in my opinion. Okay, I I think it's Hoiple. You think you think Hoiple's going to end up back at yeah. OU? I, th- I so uh, I did see Vernable, uh, the uh, he's defense coordinator at Clemson, correct? Yes, and was oh, yeah. in the same position at OU. Right. Um, I think that wouldn't be a bad hire. I think there's some a little bit of uncertainty there. I think Heupel is the guy. I don't disagree with Heupel, just everything. I mean, the history he had at OU. Obviously, I have a soft spot for Heupel myself. I grew up an OU fan. He was a guy that recruited me uh, from OU whenever he was on the staff there. But I think there was a little bit of a – whenever they parted, I think it left a bad taste in Heupel's mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I think he's a completely different coach since then. I think he's grown and learned so much, uh, and I think he's done a pretty dang good job at Tennessee this year. Uh, but can you imagine the Tennessee getting left after one year by a coach again? When and they then, finally yeah. start believing. Um, and, and that's what I kind of said you know, earlier, is that there is a domino effect in regards to coaching hires in college football because this bombshell hits on Sunday, and then – um, you know, Lincoln Riley goes to USC and then it's, okay, who's going to be the next coach? Uh, Heupel's name's in there. And now if Heupel leaves, that means Tennessee's going to have a, a new coach. Now if Stoops uh, leaves Kentucky, Kentucky's going to have to have a new coach. Exactly. I mean, it's just this, it's a never-ending cycle. And then on top of that, you have all of these players who decommit and then you're going to have other programs trying to poach them and trying to get them and fill some holes. 
There's so um, many moving parts right now. It's so many moving parts. It's, you know, literally it's, you know, it, you throw a pebble in the, when you throw a pebble in the lake, you get the ripples on the outside. Well, there is a big freaking rock that was just dumped into this lake and there are just massive ripples going out into the college football world. It's, it's very, it's fascinating how fast things move. And, you know, my, my guy, big game boomer, he made a, he made a comment about, um, you know, Oklahoma is, I think there's a little bit of a panic in his voice, but it was Oklahoma is one bad coaching hire away from turning into Tennessee. And I wanted to be like, Hey man, guess what? That's everyone else's problem. Unless yeah. your name is, you know, Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio state. But I mean, even, even at Alabama, you look at Alabama before Saban was there. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at Georgia under uh, Rick under Rick. I mean, Rick was they were, good. And like, it was good, but it was, yeah. It was very, but there was a definite ceiling that he couldn't get over. Right. You look, exactly. you look he at was a, yeah. eight I wins, mean, you look nine at so wins. many programs. Yep. He was nine, nine and 10 wins every single year. And there was just like, he had a hard time getting over that hump. And again, you know, Georgia fans were like, you know, we could be better. And hey, they were right. Kirby Smart comes in, gets facilities, gets uh, assistant coaches paid. You know, so there's the stability. But if that hire doesn't working out, I mean, yeah, look at, exactly. Look at, look at Florida State, top tier program, and then there's now a, yeah. three coaches in a row. Look at Texas. Yep, there's a look lot at USC. More. Yep, there's Texas. There's so many. I don't know if I said this last week, but there there are so many blue blood programs right now, or like programs that have had very high success in the past. Like my, I don't consider Miami a blue blood. I'm sorry. I think they are very. I think they have very successful peaks, but there's just their valleys are too low. But like Miami, who is a, a very good program, I mean, isn't good. Florida State is a blue blood, not doing well. Tennessee, Texas, all of these blue blood programs are, you know, and again, it may not only be a coaching hire, but it's also a revolving door because. You, People want instant success, or at the first sign of trouble, they're like, "Up, oh, we're screwed. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta move on." You know, um, and I know we're getting off track because that's what we do. But <laughs> and we'll get into Michigan and Ohio State that game later. But if I don't, I don't know if people understand this, but if Rutgers, if Rutgers makes a field goal last year against Michigan, Jim Harbaugh's fired. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh's fired. And now this year makes a defensive change, moves on from Don Brown, um, you know, has some new blood in there. You have guys in there who are Northern dudes who want to like, who would die for Michigan. And guess what? Now, now they're, now they're, they have a direct path to the playoff. And again, they fire Jim Harbaugh because he's not winning enough. And you're, Again, it's just that revolving door mentality. Um, I mean, speaking of revolving doors, uh, Florida since Urban Meyer. Yes. Revolving door. Yes. Which brings us to our next point. Billy Napier. Uh, what do you think of that hire at Florida? Uh, a. A hire, I think. I, I think at the worst, it's A-. minus. 
I think they got the right guy. He can coach in this. I mean, he not only coach in the South, he's a part of the Nick Saban coaching tree, who which is doing very well, by the way. And Dabo's coaching tree. Yeah, and Dabo's coaching tree. And again, he was at ULL, uh, recruits in the South, does a lot with little, can spot those fringe guys that might not be um, – might not be looked at as other division one programs would, or the, the, the higher ups and could kind of find those diamonds in the rough, you know, like a Levi, but he won't need to at Florida, but exactly. He won't need to, but if you get those high profile guys and then sprinkle in some, you know, diamonds in the rough, I mean, I, I think for success. Yeah. Right. uh, 100%. Uh, I I think LSU is going to wish they had called them, but I mean, that's Scott wants to make a, uh, a splash higher and Billy Napier's not a splash name. So see for, for me, I think it is. I, he wants to steal somebody from a higher program, which I think we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, oh, well, yeah. With, with the news, that with the heard. rumors that apparently he's going after, uh, which, oh, oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you think, do you think neighbors, I mean, what grade would you give it? Jay? I'd, I'd give it an a minus probably a minus uh, a minus. I just, I mean, the thing is, he's been super successful at Louisiana Lafayette, but I, I'm I'm so reluctant to give any coaching hire an A plus because there's so many hires over the past few years that I thought were incredible hires that just mm-hmm. didn't pan out at all. Like, I mean, I thought Fuente going to Virginia Tech was going to be a home run. I thought Virginia Tech hit it out of the park with that hire. And now he's gone. Uh, you know, I thought Kevin Sumlin, whenever he left Texas A&M, was going to be a better fit in the Pac-12 and – him at Arizona was a disaster. Yeah, that made uh, no sense to me. So I just i I'm reluctant to give anything a high grade at this point, just because it seems like I've been proven wrong every time. And then a guy that I thought I was laughing whenever they hired him, Arizona State and Herm Edwards. I yeah, mean, Herm Edwards has been relatively successful there. Yeah, and and that's the thing that you just you never know what you're going to get. Um, like, again, and we'll talk about both of our schools, you know, but, you know, with Jimbo at Texas A&M, James Franklin at Penn State, you know, have they sometimes have underwhelming years, but they're consistently there. And I think they have they have so much good that I think you're willing to look over the bad. Yeah. And there is definitely some bad that we'll get to. Uh, uh, there's a lot of bad, there's <laughs> a lot of bad. But uh, sticking on uh, the coaching carousel, I mean, we're just – there's so many different things that could happen now with the domino falling uh, with Oklahoma. I mean, I've heard since Lincoln Riley was apparently one of LSU's top targets. Now We've already touched on it. We might as well go into it. Uh, Brian Kelly is a name that has gone uh, to the top of LSU's list apparently, uh, which I don't know if I see that happening. Uh, I I just can't imagine leaving Notre Dame. Uh, Could you imagine him leave Notre Dame? Like, like Notre Dame is, it's it's almost the historical football program. Oh, it is. It's it's the it's the it's the historical football program. Like, if you ask anybody, you know, probably let's say Alabama, but if someone says name a football school, they're gonna say Notre Dame. 
Yeah, and then, or if you ask them to name three, there's going to be like very few people who don't put Notre Dame in yeah. one of those three slots, right? I mean, they're a program that everybody talks about. There's so much history there, so much tradition. Uh, and I think it's another one where it's kind of an easier path to the playoff than LSU. Yeah, because uh, you have to go through the AC. You'll, you'll have to go through five ACC schools and then USC. Yeah, and I obviously now that changed a little bit with USC, but uh, – it's just, I can't imagine Kelly leaving for LSU, but if he did, I mean, that would just continue the domino effect because I think Campbell and Fickle both want that job if oh, it opens yeah. up. And both so, would be great hires there. <laughs> if, which I don't think it's going to happen, if Brian Kelly goes to LSU, I think, I I don't think he'd last five years. No. Just because, and listen, I think Brian Kelly's a good coach. I think he takes a lot of heat because, you know, again, it's what whatever what everyone says about almost every coach, but doesn't win big games. Um, so, but he's the winningest coach in he he's literally the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Yeah, um, and because he's just again consistently good, they're consistently a. Besides for like one year, he won four games. They're consistently in the top 15 in the country. And I think if he leaves, I just don't think he's a good fit for LSU. No. I really don't. And now also the the training wheels are going to be off a little bit because at Notre Dame, he has a lot of restrictions of who, who he can recruit and who he can bring in there. And I think LSU is a little – more shady with there's no restrictions at LSU. Yeah, there's no restrictions, but I just don't think Brian Kelly's that type of guy. I, I I always have Brian Kelly's a Big Ten guy in my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if hell, if uh, I'm trying to think of another a Big Ten school better than Notre Dame, and I really can't think of one. Um, but like he belongs up north. Yeah, he belongs up north. Um, I don't know. I just don't think that that would be a great hire. Um, uh, the way I see it shaking out is uh, he goes to LSU, gets out of there pretty quickly, and then ends up as the head coach at Boston College for some reason after Jeff Halfley leaves. <laughs> the other Catholics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The other Catholic school. Um, like, I don't know. I, I, yeah, Brian Kelly. Oh, I just thought of something in my head. Oh, I just thought of something. Again, all right, this is – you know how uh, Marvel does the – that has that what if what show. if yeah what if? I wish I haven't watched but what if Brian Kelly goes to LSU he is fired with five years and then he goes to this old blue blood and brings them back to national prominence what if he goes back to or goes to Nebraska that's a place where he would fit in I don't disagree with that. Like, uh, I mean, again, again, I, I know. All right, we we I know this has gone off the rails, but <laughs> and we've talked about multiple universes and things like that. But well, like, but that's speaking the kind of, of school Brian Kelly belongs at. Yeah, but but speaking of teams like Nebraska going to a new conference and immediately struggling, uh, we touched it a little bit. OU and Texas are leaving for the SEC soon. We don't know exactly when. Is it going to be next year? Is it going to be twenty twenty three? Is it going to be twenty four? Are they going to wait all the way until the buyout is over in 25? We don't know. Uh, but we do know it is going to be quite the adjustment period because you go from having uh, games at Kansas and Texas Tech and Kansas State 
and you go to programs like Alabama and Georgia, Tennessee, and uh, Texas A&M will be back in the mix with some of their old Big 12 conference mates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have an Ole Miss program that's surging right now under Lane Kiffin. There's so many challenges that Oklahoma and Texas have. Uh, now, and I get it, the SEC is a little bit overrated, but I do think from a depth standpoint, top to bottom, you can't dispute that it's a better conference than the Big 12. Oh, absolutely not. The SEC, the SEC, and, and listen, I, I go after the SEC, I do, but the SEC is the best conference. There's no doubt about that. I just believe the margin, the margin is not as big as people make it out to be. I do think it gets a little bit bigger with OU. Oh, uh, I don't think Texas makes yes. a difference right yes. now, currently. Yes, uh, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how those programs adapt and are those programs in trouble. Let me put it this way. I think both of those programs are national enough brands where they will be able to make the adjustment eventually. Yes. Now, I don't know if it's going to be right away. I don't know if it's going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years. But there's definitely going to be an adjustment period. Yeah. Uh, I think OU is more equipped to make that adjustment than Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on who this next coach they hire is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big, big question mark mm-hmm. that they didn't want to have going into the SEC. Uh, Texas is, I mean, let's just be honest here. Texas is a program that is struggling mightily, but still has enough recognition, enough uh, resources, enough name power that it can recruit well. And it will recruit well in the SEC. And eventually those classes are going to start adding up. And when Texas is successful again, I mean, they're just going to build off that. Now, I don't know that Sark is the guy for it, but I think that eventually you're going to see Texas return to success. So are the programs in trouble initially? Texas is, yes. Uh But I don't think that stays that way for too long. No, I I don't think so. And and the thing is, Sark took a lot of heat this year. Uh, mainly just because of their defense. Their defense is just god-awful. But, you know, give the guy some time. Like, people are talking about firing him already. Like, that wasn't – for a first year, like, that wasn't awful. So you don't talk about a program with no patience whatsoever. I yeah, mean. like, this wasn't like uh, – I don't know. Like This isn't Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, we're just like things are like on it's fire. It's not Jimmy and, Lake either. <laughs> no, and it's not Jimmy Lake. Like – there's there's something here. Like Texas looks better offensively. Um, you know they went five and seven, which is not good, but that's okay. They have so many gaps. Though. I mean, their linebacking core was not good at all this oh, year. Terrible. They need help on the offensive line too, and if they get that, the offense is just going to be even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, there's there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, mm-hmm. and they are going to struggle in the SEC if they aren't fixed whenever they arrive, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that Sark is a good coach, and I think yeah. he deserves a fair shake. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing. I, I can't tell you if if Sark's the savior or not, but I can tell you that he he deserves you know he deserves time, one hundred percent. And I think this year they are trending in the right direction. And the people are like, well, they have a worse record this year than last year. Yeah, but you went through an entire coaching change. Like, it's okay. Let let it be patient for once, and. They'll be okay. If they can fix it defensively, I think they'll be fine. Um, Oklahoma, like you said, I think they're better equipped. 
I think next year they take a little bit of damage. I'm talking eight wins. You know, if they get to nine wins, I think that's a win for Oklahoma. Their pod, I think, is favorable. Um, Oklahoma and Texas will, will uh, at least what what it looks like. Oklahoma and Texas will share a pod, and then they'll theoretically, pod. this is all this is all hypothetical. This is all right? yes, this is all theoretically. This is what people have been saying. Um, Arkansas and Mizzou, you know, basically the old Big Six teams, um, which I think Oklahoma and Texas. I think Texas and Arkansas next year can be very comparable. Um, Arkansas is losing a lot. Arkansas is losing a lot. I hate, I hate Drinkowitz at Mizzou. <laughs> I hate him. Like, listen, uh, no. on this podcast, on this podcast, this is before you came in, Jay. I defended Drinkowitz when he made the comments about uh, going up to Boston College to play doesn't really help us. You know, and I thought, okay, like, fine. I understand what he's saying. But then, like, making the comments about Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen never, like, and again, Dan Mullen's an asshole. But Dan Mullen never threw shade at him. You know, he did the little, what the for? Like, what's go, like, what's wrong with this guy? I don't know. I kind of love it. I kind of love it because I do not like so Mullen. Bad. I guess I, I thought it was hilarious whenever he said, did you see the, the, when, you reap what you sow, and when you reap jackass, you or when you sow jackass, yeah. you reap jackass. I did not yeah. love that. I thought like, that was hilarious. Personally, it's like he is he trying to be the next damn uh, college football villain? <laughs> exactly. Like, what's his problem? Like, everyone hated Nick Saban, and like, I think the past two years are like, ah, he's all right. It's, it's been a Nick Saban face turn. Yeah, exactly. Like Nick Saban's do like doing the the Triple H face turn, and then. We got this asshole. Uh, just Drinkowitz is so, so terrible. So I hope Texas and Oklahoma just kick his ass. Um, but I think their pod's a little more uh, feasible to to go through. I don't disagree. And again, we don't know that that's yeah, how it's going to shake out. But exactly. Um, but no, I, I think th- those crossover games are going to kill him. Um, but no, I, I think Texas next year. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to be. I think that you have to have some patience with that program. And I know that's sacrilege to even say, because if you even say that you're all, oh, well, you settle for mediocrity. No, I'm, I'm, I'm realistic. And I know that these things are going to take time. Um, Oklahoma, I think will still be okay. Yeah. At the worst, at the worst, Oklahoma is going to have eight wins a year. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll be better off than three and nine Nebraska. That's for sure. Yes. So, Nebraska. And again, we said this earlier, Oklahoma and Texas leaving can probably, we don't know if it's going to hurt them or help them. When Nebraska left the big 10, it, or sorry, with the big 12, it hurt them because they lost the Texas recruiting pool. Now Nebraska is in this weird purgatory world that they're good but they just find ways to lose every game. It's I watched that Iowa watch. game. I watched that Iowa game. And I know. I bet on Nebraska. I saw the minus one. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is out of control that a team that has a backup quarterback that is three and nine is going up against a nine-win Iowa team that's ranked 14th or 13th or whatever. 
and they're favored? Oh, I'm jumping on that. I'm jumping on it. And as they're up by 15, I think, here we go. I'm going to win money. Nebraska is going to finally get a big win and go get some momentum going into next year. And their special teams just collapsed. It was one of the worst collapse I've ever seen in college football. Which, to be fair, is how they started the year off as well, right? Huge yeah, with the Illinois game. <laughs> that, so their special teams is bad. Like, I mean, listen, I, I watched Penn State under the sanctions where guys from freaking Altoona were playing special teams. And every kickoff was, you know, every team was starting off at the 35, 40 yard line because their kickoff team was terrible. Um, you know, their punt teams were like, their punter was good, but like their protection, they, they'd have a punt blocked every three games. Yeah. Um, and this is what, that's what that looks like. Yeah. Like it's so their special teams is third bad. And again, it's a third of the game, everybody. I believe it. I believe special teams are a third of the game. You know, you can, you can um, win with less talent on special teams. And Nebraska, who doesn't have as much talent, is giving games away because of it. It's extraordinary how good and bad that they are. I mean, like, you look at what they've done in their conference. I think it was, like, outscored. I think it was, like, a perfect 49-49, to Mm -hmm. I think, is – basically what they were uh, taking on. But it, it was – I mean, they, they played everybody tough. Everyone. There was a team that they didn't play close. Every single and, one of their losses, they were in it to the end. And their strength of schedule is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Their crossover games were Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. The three top teams in the East. The three top teams in the East. And, again, going in, going in – Michigan State surprised everybody. Every I had Michigan State worse. I had Michigan State at five wins this year. Yeah. Um, they ex- way exceeded that. Thank you for the transfer portal. Um, you know, Michigan, I thought would be a middle-of-the-road team, like eight wins, nine wins. Again, exceeds expectations. Um, and it's just crazy because that West division is a big gripe in the Big Ten community. And, and everyone can say that the crossover games are close and the cross the win percentage the crossover games are the same. No, it's not. It's Iowa and Wisconsin duking it out for the West, and then you have four other teams on the East that are fighting for that position. And poor Nebraska had to face the three best ones there, and Iowa didn't have to play any of them. And Nebraska had to play OU. <laughs> yes, and Nebraska had a, and Nebraska played Oklahoma. So I mean, so, that's a hell, hellacious schedule. Yeah, I, I think it's the. I think it was the toughest schedule in the country. I wouldn't be surprised. I think. So. I mean, it has to be. Before the year started, they said it was going to be one of the toughest. Now looking back, you, you play. I think they said they played. I think every team they lost to. Was bowl eligible with eight wins or more? Yes. Every game that they – oh, sorry, besides Illinois. Which is – Which, whatever. Weird feeling with magic. I mean – It's – dude, they're, they're, I can't believe they're five and seven. Yeah. Like, it's 
So anyway, they lose besides Illinois, every team, every other team that they they lost to is has eight wins. That's crazy. Yeah. That's I mean, that's and that's tough on and that's again. Scott Frost, give him one more year. Give him one more year. If he doesn't get to eight wins, then you can part ways with him. Yeah. But the special teams need to be needs to be fixed. The the, the defense isn't bad. The offense looked decent under Smothers. And that was a good defense that he was playing against. So I think they got some. I, I honestly think – I know we've been saying it. Next year's the year for Nebraska. They're going to – eight wins for Nebraska next year. They're going bowling again. And a good bowl too. A, de- a decent bowl. A decent bowl. Decent bowl. Um, all right. Jay, last weekend, if we take away our teams, which we'll get to, it was one of the most magical days in all of college football. You were right. Joe and I were wrong. You called it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love to hear that. That's music to my ears. Oh, man. I mean, that they punched Ohio State in the mouth like I haven't seen before. Like the last time I've seen Ohio State get punched in the mouth like that, they were playing Alabama. Yeah. Um. It's just – it was one of those games, I think around halftime or the third quarter, I was like, okay, now Ohio State's going to do it. They're going to blow them out. And Nebraska just kept coming. Um, Josh Gaddis, I think a great offensive plan. McDonald, great defensive plan. That offensive line looked amazing. I said – and uh, God, how wrong I was – I said I didn't think their edge rushers were going to be able to get pressure on Stroud. And boy, was I wrong. They terrorized Ojabu and Hutchinson. Terrorized. Yeah, Ojabu had a hell of a game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Oh, it was fantastic. And, like, listen, I hate Michigan. I said on the weekend winners, I root against them. I don't want them to be the second tier, second place team in the Big Ten because it's that's what it is. It's a fight for second. And Michigan, I don't think Ohio State realized who, like, what type of Michigan team that they are going to get. Yeah, and take it, Jim Harbaugh. He finally gets it done. Man, it feels good to be right. I mean, <laughs> just being talked to. Being talked to that way, Joe telling me I was drunk the whole time. The looks on y'all's faces when I said Michigan money line five days before the game took place. I just, I feel so warm inside. It's just, it's a great feeling. Michigan went out there and just out physical to Ohio State from Bell, from pillar to post. I mean, it it was Big Ten football in its truest form. You had the snow coming down. I mean, everything about that game was just. It, it warms my heart as a as a guy in the trenches because that was just Michigan out physicaled them the whole time, and I mean Ohio State did some great things. I mean, all of their receivers were still very scary for Michigan to deal with, but I mean, like you said, it's the the pressure they were able to get on Stroud, uh, and then just it seemed like where Ohio State normally pulls away in the third and fourth quarter, 
Michigan's physicality paid off. It was like they'd been just pounding the body of Ohio State, throwing hooks to the body, just wearing them down, and then finally in the fourth quarter they broke, and mm-hmm. Michigan just finished them off. And it was it was fun to watch. Uh, to be honest, I I feel the way you do about Michigan. I feel that way about Ohio State. So it was a thrilling result for me. Uh, and now we get to see Michigan in the Big Ten title. Uh, and they are right up there in the playoff mix. And it's it's fun because, I mean, Ohio State's been in that playoff mix for forever. And we're finally getting some new blood in there. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, say that. Obviously, they still have to to beat Iowa in the, uh, the Big Ten championship, which, I mean, they're a better team, but that's still scary just because Iowa does weird things. Uh, but I, I just, I'm happy for all my Michigan friends that finally got over that hump. It was, uh, it was great. And I'm really happy for myself who correctly predicted the outcome of the game. <laughs> Congratulations. <Jay. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Bedlam, Bedlam was Bedlam. Uh, this was one of the wackiest games I ever seen it was it was bedlam to a T. Yeah. It was bedlam to a T. Stillwater was amazing. Um I have a gripe with Stillwater though. Uh oh, okay. Boone Pickens, I mean those sidelines just scare the crap out of me. I, it is way too narrow. I mean, I, I'm just always afraid somebody's going to get hurt there. It's it's a great environment. I mean, I think the the fans there were electric. Uh, I just it it scares me. And the other gripe I have with that game is that I think is the first time I've ever seen an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty picked up. Yes, I'm trying to think. Again, I wasn't in a very good state during this game. Understandably so. Um, Talk that back to me. Uh, So basically, I mean, an Oklahoma State player shoved an Oklahoma player over after the game. They threw the flag. I mean, it it makes sense. It wasn't really an unnecessary roughness, but it was definitely an unsportsmanlike conduct, right? Uh, They had a little bit of a talk, and they picked up the flag and said there was no flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. Did they – Did and that's the thing. Did someone come in and say there was a late whistle? Did someone come in and say, you know, both of these guys? But then if there was both guys, then – it should have been offsetting. It should have been offsetting penalties. Yeah. So, so I is that what they were going for? But they're like, nah, we're just gonna we're just gonna wave it off. I, I don't know. I mean, and the guy had his head to his hand to his earpiece. It was it's a it weird was, situation. Yeah. No. Um man, the, the Caleb Williams run, the 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 muffed punts, the the scoring drive, then Oklahoma was score like, was in territory at the end of the game. It's just crazy that you know that game was just wild in its own respects. But you have the two two teams, Michigan and Oklahoma State, that have been taking their lumps to two other schools that are constantly in the playoff, constantly in the in the top six in the country you know, constantly losing or constantly, you know, losing to those top teams. Just owned by their rival. Owned by their rival in the last 10 years. And they they pulled it off on the same day. 
on the same day. Now I was all in on the Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma state was favored, but I was in on the Oklahoma state beating Oklahoma train. You know, you had both. Yeah. Um, but, wow. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> man. It's just, it was such a great day in college. It was such a great day in college football. It was. Uh, until our, the, our there were played. things that ruined it. <laughs> um, Jay, I know this has to be bittersweet. One, as a college football fan, to see Coach O win his last game at home, it was special. Watching it on TV, hearing the last go Tigers, Ed getting fired up and, and you know having a little bit of tears in his eyes. That was great as a football fantasy. A&M losing in the fashion that they did with some questionable call here and there at the end. And for you to see it in person was probably not so nice. So how was your Baton Rouge trip? Uh, First of all, Baton Rouge is my favorite place to visit in the SEC. Uh, the food there is incredible. Shout out to Zach, whose tailgate we visited. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. We got a shoey in. Yeah, I got you. Uh, at the tailgate, which you have to do. Uh, it's he. He's just a wizard when it comes to food. And then we had a couple restaurants that we went to that were also delicious. So I gained about fifty pounds this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but looking at the game, I should have known that LSU was going to win because basically, whenever they announced that. Uh, they'd be moving on from Edo at the end of the season. He becomes interim head coach at Edo again, which is the most unstoppable force on the planet. Uh, so, I mean, I, I should have known better. Uh, but you, you talked about questionable calls. We'll start with third and two before A&M punts at the end of the game. You, you roll out a right-handed quarterback to his left Not good. and throw short of the, the first down mark. I don't understand having – and granted, LSU had stopped the run up to that point. LSU did a fantastic job of containing A. Shane and, and Spiller. Uh, but I still don't understand – you might as well just go big on big and try to get that first down on the ground, right. especially uh, the situation in the game. I, I just – I don't like that play call from Jimbo Fisher at all. Uh, I really wish Jimbo would give the offensive reins to somebody who – has a little bit of a fresher take on football. Uh, you know, I, it, it's easy for me to sit here and say this, but I think that Jimbo's methods are a little bit outdated offensively. And I think he's reluctant to give it up. And I think that's part of why AM has kind of been held back. Mm-hmm. Now we go into the punt after you don't get the first down because you throw it short of the marker. You punt it away. And I think it was pretty clear that Damani Richardson – stole the ball from the LSU returner before the whistle was blown. Mm-hmm. Uh, there didn't seem to be any kind of forward progress call. The whistle was blown when the punt returner went down. And Damani Richardson clearly had the ball before the punt returner went down. Uh, that would have ended the game. I mean, you saw the LSU sideline. There were guys that put their hands on their head because they knew the game was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, the officials get together and they say that there's no fumble because forward progress was stopped. I don't know how they make that call, but you can't overturn it once they make that call. Right. Which, I mean, that's – I I think A&M fans have a real legitimate gripe, but if you put the game out of reach before that, that play doesn't happen and you don't have to worry about it to begin with. Uh, so then LSU drives down the field, wins the game in, in dynamite fashion. 
AM takes a couple sacks to end the game, doesn't really get a chance to even try to win it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as a fan, it was heartbreaking, but, you know, there's a lot of things to look positive for AM uh, going forward. Uh, first of all, you, you played most of the season with a backup quarterback and, yep. and still got the eight wins, including yep. a win over Alabama. Uh, which is impressive. You had a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball, uh, and you had some guys step up. I mean, you have a, a true freshman, Tyree Chapel, play corner and really come on towards the end of the year. Uh, you have a, two true freshmen on the offensive line and Bryce Foster mm-hmm. and Ruben Fathery, who are both going to end up being pretty good players, I think, uh, in an offensive line that replaced basically everybody except Kenyon Green. Now you are going to lose what I think is maybe one of the best defensive line units AM has ever had. Uh, Leal, Absolutely. Clemens, Tyree Johnson, all those guys. I mean, Clemens had, I think, four sacks against LSU uh-huh. on Saturday night. And I yes, mean, he did. It, it's, it's going to be tough to replace those guys. Uh, obviously, you know, it, 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 there are building blocks left over uh, that AM has to look forward to. And I mean, they're close to recruiting the number one class in the country. Yep. They're right up there in the top three. So obviously there's talent coming in. Uh, you've got to win those games though. Mm-hmm. And yeah. th- that's where I think that Jimbo may need to at least get somebody in there who has some new concepts introduced to that offense. Uh, I'd like to see us mix in a little bit of tempo every once in a while. I think that, I mean, I see it so many times with this the system where you, you run the clock right down to the like the play clock down to the one second before you take the snap. And mm-hmm. I realize that ball control is a big part of Jimbo's game, but I mean you're also taking delay of games and having to call timeouts yeah. when you shouldn't. Uh, and it's just something that you don't see a lot of other teams have problems with because they're not running this uh, slow possession uh, style. Uh, I just, I mean, again, I don't want to be too critical of Jimbo Fisher because he obviously knows more about the game than I probably ever will. He's definitely a student of it, uh, and he, he puts in the work, and he, he knows the personnel better than I do. Right. Uh, but I, I just would like to see some more calm, uh, some more concepts of modern football mixed in there. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, hats off to LSU. It, it's pretty awesome to see Coach O go out with a win. Uh, he's a guy that loves LSU like no coach they ever have will. I mean, that guy lives and breathes that program, and I think he will even though he's done coaching there. Yeah. No, I, I think Jimbo will be – I think Jimbo needs to be a CEO. He needs to run the program. I think he need you know, run everything else, but I think he does need an, an actual – he needs an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, but, again, listen, Jay, uh, if – if eight and four is, you know, backup quarterback had some injuries on the line, you know, I understand your, the defense is really good. Um, and it's kind of a disappointment there, but like with all the injuries and things like if eight and four is the worst that you guys are going to do, that's, that's pretty, yeah. you, you got to say, all right, it, 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 it's not bad. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, really 10 and two is what we should have been this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Mississippi State game was very winnable, and obviously the LSU game was very winnable. Obviously, uh, but uh, you know, it eight and four. It's it's not a terrible season. Hopefully, we go to the bowl game, uh, put together a good performance, build off of that, go into the next season, and uh, live up to expectations better than we did this this past season. Yeah. Although, I mean, man, going into the season, 
you tell me replacing four offensive linemen from last year and you're also going to have your starting quarterback go down and you still go eight and four. I mean, I would take that. That's you're looking at like a, I would have almost expected a six and six season. Context context matters. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, context matters. But Um, at the same time, you're paying Jimbo to compete for national championships. So that is also true. Um, (laughs) So. All right. It's my turn. So I, the people who have listened to this podcast and my previous podcast know that when people talk about coaching, okay, um, I usually disagree. I, I feel that a lot of the times the whole, this is coaching, that's coaching. Uh, we don't win because of coaching is a very lazy take that a lot of people who who don't know the game, watch the game, automatically go to. Penn State lost to Michigan State on Saturday because of coaching. And this is why. One, I think because of the snow, they completely outcoached themselves. Going up against the worst passing defense in the country, 130 of 130. And in the third quarter, fourth quarter, early fourth quarter, they barely passed the ball. Barely. They came out one drive and did not pass the ball a single time. Other time, early fourth quarter, two outside zone, outside zone, and then incomplete pass. Why on earth that they aren't passing the ball on first and second down in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter is beyond – it's insanity to me. Um, I love Brent Pry as a defensive coordinator, but – and I know the the idiots who sit around me, the the fanatics, the fans – hate him sometimes because he blitzes too much, but they were extremely conservative in that game. It's like, okay, it's a blizzard. So now we're going to be conservative across the board. James Franklin usually goes for it on fourth down on the, you know, 45 yard line. Guess what? Nope. Punt it away. I just think absolutely outsmarted ourselves. Um, I'm usually not critical on coaching, but again, I think it is also another, uh, another aspect that I like to look at when you deal with coaching and in the chess match that is coaching is third and fourth down Michigan state owned third and fourth down for the, the battle of the land grant trophy. Absolutely owned third and fourth down. Um, I think their percentage that I think third down conversions they were, I want to say, 68%. And on fourth down, I believe, I think they were five for six on fourth down. Or no, four, four for six on fourth down. Penn State was the complete opposite, was around 30%. So Penn State got outcoached. 100% got outcoached. Or honestly, outcoached themselves. It was right there. You had the lead. And... If they don't abandon the pass, they probably go down the field and, and score. 
because when they, they were down 10, they went freaking 94 yards to score. Granted, yeah. Sean Clifford made a miraculous catch. But my whole thing is that game right there screwed you out of eight eight wins. You know, you, you shouldn't have lost the Illinois game, but you, hey, you were really banged up. I get it. So right there, you know, Penn State should be a 9-3 and three football team, which honestly, for realistic fans, is all Penn State fans ask. Go nine and three. Go ten and two, and then once I mean, in a while, Clifford doesn't get hurt. Championship. Clifford doesn't get hurt. You're a ten and two team. Exactly. And think, ex- exactly. And the the just the decline that happened after that. You know, Clifford gets hurt. Um, they don't discover Christian Velalu is can actually play the game a little bit. Yeah, I believe if and again, like you like you said, Jay, I'm not in the quarterback room, and you know. Christian Velalu, he doesn't he hasn't played football since 2019. He was a fourth fifth, fifth string quarterback last year. So they got the go Roberson, who has a little bit more experience under his belt, who did awful going into the Illinois game. They I don't they don't trust him enough. So they put a, a Clifford out there that's 75%. That's barely cleared by doctors. Um, and it costs you a game. So again, looking at that, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, Penn State's sitting at seven and five. I don't know what bowl game they're going to go into, but uh, that Michigan State game was 100% coaching to me. That is the game that you can say Franklin and staff um, outcoached themselves completely. And I do think you have to make some adjustments uh, with weather in, in regards to that. But you, I mean, like you said, 130 out of 130. Mm-hmm. No, know what your opponent can't do and take advantage of it. And the blizzard and the bliz it wasn't really affecting Clifford or Dotson or La- like the receivers, Lambert Smith, uh um frick, uh, uh Parker Washington. It wasn't affecting them really. You know, C- Clifford was carving them up, but I just I saw a stat after the game. They passed the ball 34 times. Only 34 times. That number should be at 45. You should pass – they should be a pass-first football team because they cannot run block. They can't do it. And you should always be a pass-first team against uh, someone who can't defend the pass. Exactly. Like, that's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, I, I Listen, Michigan State's offense came to play. I know in the snow it gives more of a – it gives more of an advantage like, to the defense just because defense is kind of on ice skates. Offense knows where they're going to go. Um, but – you know, listen, you give up – they gave up 30 points to Michigan State's offense, which is too much. But it, it was right there for them. Yep. It was right there for them to take, and they didn't do it. And, again, they play in the Big Ten East. It's I mean, listen, they were beating Michigan with five minutes to go. They were – you know, Michigan State, they were beating Michigan State early in the fourth quarter. They had Illinois – or, sorry, Iowa dead to rights, you know, this could have very easily, like you said, been a 10 and two football team and everyone at Penn state is happy. If this team would have been 10 and two, there are no complaints about James Franklin. Everyone is happy. Everyone is wonderful, but no, now we're seven and five. And now we got to pray. They don't go to the pinstripe bowl because no one wants to go to that. Freaking game. <laughs> Nobody. Like if they go to music city, if they go, you know, music city, Las Vegas. I saw Gator, which I think would be, which I think would be um, 
kind of outkicking their coverage if they go to the Gator Bowl. But, oh, man, I just – I didn't have a whole lot of – like, going in, I thought nine and three. And then they're seven and five. And they could have been ten and two. Like, yep. it's just – yeah, I don't know. I'm disgusted. I'm rejected. I think next year is also going to be a little – unless they do really well in the transfer portal, I think next year is another eight-win year. Um, they don't have to play Iowa and Wisconsin for once. They've played. I they've played Iowa six years in a row. They've played Wisconsin a bunch. Very glad that they don't have to go against those two. But they do have to play Purdue in Ross Aid. Anything can freaking happen there. Um, <laughs> but my old thing is Penn State fans. Listen, I, I know you're listening. I know some of you are listening. Next year, and listen, I know I just ripped apart the coaching staff. Next year is also going to be a rough year unless they dominate the transfer portal. I still think we're better off with James Franklin than testing the waters of someone else because at least with James Franklin, we'll get stability. Yes, these down years suck, but just saw a stat. And Jay, I know I'm talking a lot right now. Um, I think I feel like I need to do this because this helps me – this is like my therapy session. I can get all for the, you, man. I, I get all these feelings off my chest. I just saw a stat. Um, it was Big Ten records for the last five years. So including so from 2017 to 2021. Um, Ohio State has 55 wins. Iowa, Wisconsin have um, 43 win, wins. Penn State has 42. Michigan has 41. So we just went through two very bad years. Went four and five in the pandemic year, which I think was screwy for a multiple two to three reasons. And you go seven and five this year. And again, the past five years, that's not counting the 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 season they won the Big Ten championship. I mean, we're st- it's we're still right there with everyone else in the Big Ten. We're still right there in the top. And Iowa and Wisconsin have pretty much have cupcake schedules for most of the year. So it's okay. We're down. We're not out. Next year will be tough. But then the year after that, Penn State should start trending up again. And guess what? If they don't, if I'm wrong, in three years, they're still seven and five and eight and four, then you might want to start looking at buying out James Franklin. But I am not willing to sell him out quite yet. I still think there's stability there. I still think that Penn State has a better shot with him than they do with testing water somewhere else. I would rather know who I have and know, hey, it's going to be okay, than, hey, the mystery door over here, it can be really good like Georgia or it can be bad like Nebraska. I will take stability. And I think it's a lot more likely to be bad than good. Yeah, because, I mean, Matt Rule isn't coming, everyone. Matt Rule isn't walking through that door. And Luke Fickle will probably leave if, if Luke Fickle in the multiverse, in the college football multiverse. Ooh, Jay, I think I just figured out a good blog series. Oh, what if the what the 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 college football multiverse? The what if? Ooh, that's that's that'd be something. That's something. That's that's going to be in the that's going to be on the idea machine. Um, I'm going to put that on my yellow legal pad right now. Um, but anyway. I'd rather know what I have 
Okay. Listen, like I said earlier, if Rutgers makes a kick at the end of the game last year, Jim Harbaugh is out at Michigan. Again, a guy, yes, pandemic year was bad, but a guy who wins at his worst is an eight-win season at the worst for Jim Harbaugh. Granted, he doesn't have a big 10 year, but he's going to win eight. Eight is your worst, 10 is your best, and you might sneak in and get 11. And this year, they done just that and really should have been undefeated because that Michigan State game got screwy at the end. Yep. So anyway, I'm okay. Everything's fine. We're down. We're down. But next year also probably going to be down, but it's okay. The stability will help. James Franklin got us out of the sanctions. I think he can get us out of this. Okay, I'm done. Get it off your chest. I got it off my chest. Since you gave a prediction for Penn State, I might as well just say A&M is probably a 9-1 season next year. Yeah. No, and that's that's fine. Listen, Penn State – Texas A&M, I think uh, Michigan, Florida, Auburn, it's all the same. Yeah, It's all the same. And again, you take, again, I know it's easy to just pick and choose things, but LSU with, without, except for last two years ago when they caught lightning in the bottle, they're the same way. It's Alabama. And listen, Clemson looked human again. Alabama and Ohio State are just on another level. Um, and again, before we get on to conference championships, um, Jay, Ohio State fans are out of their freaking mind. I don't know if you've been keeping up on Twitter. Maybe I just I might follow more Ohio State people than you. You do. probably have more. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of OU fans just losing their shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I, again, OU fans are losing their minds because of all the uncertainty. Because, yeah. you know. They're like, oh, we're Oklahoma. We won't lose Lincoln Riley. They um, had like a three-hour venting session last night in spaces. It was glorious. <laughs> I dropped in there to listen for a little bit. Oh my god! But like, yeah, the, the last um, from the twenty-four hours after losing Bedlam was quite interesting for them. Yeah, um, they lose Bedlam. They lose their coach, and now there's lots of uncertainty. Around that program, but at least they have Bob Stoops to come in as the interim. I mean, yeah, that Stoops keeps the program coming together. for an interim. Like Barry Alvarez comes out of retirement for Wisconsin, and I think those Oklahoma players will stick around for the bowl game and do all that thing to go under Stoops. I think that's a good move for them. But Ohio State fans, I have seen, I saw a tweet from a blue check mark person. So this is a person. Apparently, their their opinion matters. Yeah, they give they give anybody blue check marks these days. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, they give anyone blue check. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Jay is a part of the blue check mark crew, by the way. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm an inside agent for the people. <laughs> for this guy, uh, and I forget his name. I don't even want to know his name. But he said that there were a lot of basically there were a lot of low points during Ohio State the last 20 years, you know, especially early on in the Urban Meyer era. But Saturday was a low point. And changes need to be made going forward after that. I'm sorry. You, you lost I, the road game to an 11-1 team. Yeah, so here, here's here's the thing. And I saw a, a reply on the bottom. I wish I, I got the person's name. 
But the reply on the bottom said, you know, sometimes good teams just lose to other good teams. Like, what fantasy world that you think people, there needs to be changes? Hey, to be fair, Alabama fans, after we beat them this year, said the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. Like it, it must be so higher. nice. Like, it must well, be so I, nice I where saw, you lose two games and you're ready to burn down the, the whole program. Like Clemson, like I remember when Clemson beat them two a couple years ago, they were like, oh, "We the need a coach like work. Dabo." Dabo gets the most out of his players. Saban has the big all the recruiting classes, and we can't consistently win national championships. I'm like, "Are you what?" Like everyone wishes they were you. Like even this year, they they they're eleven and one, and they're, they're probably exactly. Like everyone wishes they were Bama because guess what? Georgia knows time's coming that after this year and two years, they're, they're going to go back to being, you know, 10 wins, a nine win season. Bama's there to stay. But back to Ohio State. I don't know. If Saban leaves and Kirby stays, you could oh, be. Okay. Uh... If Saban leaves and Kirby stays, you possibly. I said the Alabama dynasty ends when Saban leaves. And even then, maybe not. But. Back to these these the these Ohio State just crazy people. Um, the they they got the loose the the nuts in their head. Uh, no pun intended. But you know changes after ten and two, and your losses are to a, a what a top ten Oregon or top twelve Oregon, and your rival again your rival away on the road. Who is fifth? Who wants to kill you? Who their sole purpose this year is to beat you? That's like that's what you're mad about. Are you kidding me? And this is where and, and again this is what you remember when I said about uh, Lincoln Riley at USC and about how eventually, eventually, um, if you don't get over that hump, they will turn on you. Ryan Day, right now. Again, I, I don't know if Ryan Day is, is that great of a coach. I know he is a good one. He's and a fantastic know, offensive coach. He's definitely that great of an offensive yeah, coach. Exactly. We know that. Yes. Uh, you know, went to a national title last year. You know, his second year goes 10 and 2. And now people are 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 up in arms about it. Jesus. Oh my God. Like, this is the world. College football is such a hyperbole. Everything, everything's hyperbole. There is, it's not black and white. It's you're either at the top or you're mediocre. And I think that's the casual football fan in a lot of those people. Like they don't understand that it's very difficult to even get to 10 wins. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, I, it must be nice. Yeah, no, it must be nice. Hey, 10 and two. This is this is terrible. Ten and two is awful. Must be must be nice. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> although, although, did did you hear Jim Harbaugh's comments after the game? Oh, I did not. Oh, oh, this is a good one. This is one for the ages, Jay. Jay, this is one for the ages. Did he congratulate me on picking moneyline? Correct. He did not. He did not. Oh, okay. Which I was very upset. He didn't say Jay picked me. Thank you, Jay. Um, so someone asked him about the trash talk that's been going on between oh, them and Ohio State because, you know, uh, 
Michigan backs out of the game because of COVID. Uh, Ryan Day earlier in the year told the media about we'll hang 100 on them. There's like this little back and forth. Well, Jim Harbaugh comes out and says, some people were born on third base and think they, ha- and think they got a triple. Oh, I, w- I wonder who that was directed at. But he, hang on, Jay. Is he wrong? No. He's not wrong. He's not, not wrong. wrong. Listen, and you said Ryan Day, fantastic offensive coordinator, and he is a good coach, but he didn't build Ohio State. Ohio State, he was gifted it. He was gifted that Ohio to State. To give a historical allegory, it's like the – Old uh, Macedonian Empire was built by Alexander the Great's father, right? Philip of Macedonia, Mm -hmm. or Macedonia, depending on how you say it. Uh, Philip built up this incredible kingdom, was all primed to uh, invade Persia and take over the known world. All of a sudden, he dies. Alexander the Great steps in and becomes Alexander the Great. People don't talk about Philip. He's the one that built the dynasty. Ryan Day at Ohio State, very similar, very similar. I mean, I don't think Ryan Day is going to die of alcoholism in India while conquering, you know, the planet, but uh, it's very similar, right? He, he stepped into something that was already built. We just had to educate the people there for a second. I love that. I love that analogy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. We're going to get into conference championship matchups. Um. So first, let's start in the Pac-12 on Friday. Um, Oregon, Utah. Utah is a is a three point favorite here. Jay, you say this. It's always hard to beat a team twice. I think, I think Oregon pulls it off. I will take. I, I do too. I will at least. I will take Oregon plus three in this matchup. I mean, I'm I'm taking them outright just because of that. I mean, I think it's tough to beat a team twice. I think Oregon probably kept it pretty vanilla when they played Utah the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think to a point. I think once it, I believe that once it got a little bit, I know there there were coaches saying, "Hey, there's no need for us to throw the kitchen sink at them here." You know. Um, we're going to see these guys again. Obviously, you have the national championship hopes, but I mean, it got to a point where that game was just so dominated by Utah that they weren't coming back realistically. So uh, I just think Oregon still has the better Jimmy and Joes. They recruit better than Utah. And neutral you're site. Gonna see those, you're going to see those athletes on display in a neutral site, which yep. makes it all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Um, Oklahoma State Baylor, a little bit of a rematch here. Baylor is a five point dog in this game i like baylor plus five it's a neutral site it's the same thing where it's tough to beat a team twice right mm-hmm. tough to beat a team twice oklahoma state's already beat them i think oklahoma state is still the better team here i think they come out on top but baylor is going to be right there in it the whole time yeah nope um jay you are the ambassador of the mountain west uh, San Diego State is a five-point favorite over Utah State. I, I think this one's too easy. I love San Diego State in this matchup. 
I do too. Shout out to punt god, uh, Matt Ariza, who yes. has just been an absolute monster booming kicks all year. Uh, as you said, self-appointed ambassador of the SEC to the Mountain West. Uh, I'm very proud to hold that position. Watch a lot of Mountain West football, Mountain Best after dark. It's been fun to watch this year. San Diego State's just, I mean, they're a very physical program. Mm-hmm. Very physical program. They don't have a great offense but they will run the ball down your throat and they will batter you on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not too dissimilar from what Michigan does. Uh, the one thing I said, I mean, I've already mentioned it, punt God, Matt Ariza, they get mm-hmm. such good field position. And while Utah State has an offense that has been electric at times and can move the ball down the field, I just think San Diego State's too good. Uh, this is another game where – it. <laughs> The Aztecs are just going to be able to take over with their defense. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be low scoring, and it'll probably be closer than it appears, mm-hmm. which is why the line scares me a little bit. Just because San Diego State's not going to put up a ton of points, uh, but I think I think they'll be able to to cover that minus five uh, by virtue of winning by a touchdown. I like San Diego State in the run game. Yeah, I like them in the run game. It's though. fun. I mean, and historically, that's what they've done so well, right? Oh. You, you produce guys like Donnell Pumphrey and Rashad Penny, who've yeah. had a lot of success running the ball at San Diego State, and mm-hmm. I mean that trend has continued. They they haven't stopped running the ball well, uh, and obviously, it's carried them this year. Yep. All right. So I like so this next one: the American Cincinnati versus Houston. Houston is a ten point dog. I like Houston plus ten and a half. Here. I love Houston plus ten and a half. I'm probably gonna get burned on that because it looks too easy, uh, and it, it's a similar line to what SMU had against Cincinnati. And I think that Cincinnati has stepped up when they play teams that are tougher. Uh, it's so strange because they are a team that either rises up or down to their competition. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you, you look at the team that they nearly lost to this year in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Who Tulsa, I think, is a tough team. I mean, Tulsa yeah. beat SMU this week. They hung tough with Ohio State for a half and didn't let them get too far away. I think the score of that game was like 40 to 21. I mean, that was a closer game than it should have been. Tulsa played Oklahoma State tough. So, I mean, Tulsa's not a bad squad, but you, you look at Houston. Since that loss to Texas Tech, which I haven't really been able to explain, uh, Te- Houston- Listen, Texas Tech isn't Texas Tech isn't good, but they show glimpses of hanging with teams and and it's a power five team and they're not Kansas or Vandy. They're just a team that's, you know, down and they're only like a seven win team anyway. And they're down. And I mean, Houston's Houston's a tough squad. I mean, since then give them credit, they haven't looked back. Uh, And, you know, I look at, and I can't believe it, but Dana Holgerson's team is playing pretty solid defense. Which it's is why wild. it's yeah, it's I, I still can't believe West Virginia. I, think, Houston, I think they did it by accident, yeah. Like, I think probably. they're playing good defense on accident because <laughs> these teams are never good on defense, they're terrible. But oh, I think man. it just goes to show you when he has a defense come together, how good he can actually be, yeah. So, basically, the hopes of a group of five team are riding on Dana Holgerson this weekend and that's how well Houston plays. Because, <laughs> I mean, if, if Cincinnati, you know, drops the ball and Houston uh, has a chance to completely bollocks up the chances of a group of five finally making the playoff after the whole world has complained about, you know, group of five teams 
mm-hmm. getting shut out for so long. It would just be miserable. The thing is, though, let's say Cincinnati loses. Yeah. Let's say that Oklahoma State also loses. Right? Let's say Michigan also loses. Do you keep <laughs> one loss Cincinnati in? Because I don't think you can no. put Notre Dame in over Cincinnati. You can't. You can't because Cincinnati beat them on their home turf. And Notre Dame's resume isn't really that good. And it's not really their fault because they've, they schedule tough games with the, but none of those. Notre Dame is the, is the team that the committee has hanging around right there. I mean, they still have the Wisconsin win. It's funny how the Wisconsin win in the beginning of the year was like, oh, Wisconsin's bad. And then like, they I rattled just, off I, like that. I don't think that you can put Notre Dame in over Cincy, though. You can't. Um, but the gymnastics that the committee would have to do would be so fun to watch. Are there, Obviously, are this there is any other one-loss teams left? UTSA, but no, that's going. not happening. Bam. No, they'll, they'll put Bam. Bama in. You think so? If Bama loses to Georgia? Yeah. If Oklahoma State loses, Michigan loses, I think Bama goes in. Okay, but then you have Georgia and Bama. Well, I mean, that's what they want. Who are your other two? <laughs> well, they'll play again. Uh, um, I don't. I, I think one loss Cincinnati's out. I think they'll do the mental gymnastics to put Notre Dame in. Michigan and Oklahoma State in. Or do you put Baylor and Michigan? What's in? Baylor? What's ba- is Baylor two losses? Baylor is two losses. But the they'll thing is Baylor. that Baylor, Baylor Baylor has one loss to Oklahoma State, and I think that if Baylor beats Oklahoma State, it's kind of like erasing that loss in a lot of ways. I tell you what, you know what they do? They would put Georgia, Baylor, Iowa. No, you think or, three loss Iowa? No, Iowa only has two losses. Iowa only has two losses. Okay. Or, <laughs> or they put Ohio State in. And then hang on. Oh my God. So this is what they'll do. Yeah. So if oh, Baylor beats Oklahoma State, they'll be your fourth team. And then if Iowa beats Michigan, okay, if Iowa beats Michigan, they might put freaking Ohio State in there. And then it's the George, it's the SEC and Ohio State Love Fest all over again. We can't have that. Can't happen. Oh man! So we really have to hope that Dan Holgerson or they put Iowa doesn't have a good game plan, or they just put Iowa win and say, "Oh, Iowa didn't play Ohio State, but since they beat Michigan, we'll put them in." Oh man, (laughs) that's a wild scenario. Um, I just, I just had to throw that scenario. You just had to throw that out there. Now, now I'm like, now I'm thinking, oh my god, because like everyone's been talking. Oh, look at this, like. The, there's parity back in college football. We got new teams in the playoff. It's all good. And then I just do that scenario is just gonna that scenario throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. Oh man, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> as long as Georgia, Georgia beats Bama, Alabama, I think you're good. So Georgia Bama, Bama is a six and a half point dog. When's the last time Bama's been an underdog? Um, I don't know. Did, almost a touchdown. You're gonna get Alabama. I, I just think Georgia. Touchdown. I think Georgia's that good. It's. I think Georgia's a touchdown better than Bama. I think they are too, but it's tough to count against them. I mean, just the the history of it, how dominant they've been under Saban. But I, I just Bama as a dog. I just think I would have a good. hard time picking against Bama as an underdog. I get it. I get it. I I definitely understand that. But I, I just 
I think Georgia's that much better than everybody this year. Oh, man, that's tough. And, like, it's funny because, like, I feel like in the NFL, six and a half is a lot of points in the NFL, and that's why I don't bet on NFL games. But, like, college football, that's not a lot. Yeah. Like, six and a half, six and a half betting in college, I think, is completely different than betting six and a half in, in- college is just so much harder to predict, in my opinion. I don't know, but I do better with it. I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. Eh, we watch it a lot more. I'm a, I'm a sicko. I'm a, although I will <laughs> say, um, I I was like at 54% for the year. And last week, I went even on Oklahoma State and I won the LSU. I bet against Texas AM. And that was the only two bets. That was the only bet I won. And hey, now my. Speaking of- what? Speaking of sickos, though, I did want to bring this up. Okay. There's one game on here that gets played this week that is not a conference championship game. Oh no! That's four and right. seven Cal versus four and seven USC Why? is a Why hell of a sickos it? matchup. Why? I don't know, but I love it. There's going to be, be is it at Cal? No, it doesn't matter because the place is going to be empty regardless. It <laughs> Neither has team no can go bearing. to a bowl game. It has no bearing on on bowl eligibility, <laughs> dude. Those players, and, and again, I know the seniors are going to be like, you know, the seniors are going to want to play their last game and that whole thing. Dude, ah, this is bad of me to say. This is terrible for me to say. If I was on that team, I wouldn't give a flying shit about playing in that game. <laughs> but I like, think that's undoubtedly the Sickos game of the week this week. That is the Sickos game of the week. USC Cal is 100% the Sickos game. Of, I, I did notice that you skipped over one game. I can't help but. Uh, wonder about the ACC championship. You just didn't want to talk about Pitt that okay, much. Is I, that what that is? I added it late. I added it late. <laughs> Wake Forest is a three-point dog against Pitt. Um, you love so, that program. What? what? I know. You love that Pitt program from what, what I've heard. They're unbearable this year. <laughs> like, they, they are ha- – and I know Penn State people are unbearable too, but, mm-hmm. like – Pitt, Pitt thinks Pitt, Pitt thinks they're back. Pitt is like, oh, we're better than Penn State. Blah, 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 blah. Man, no, you're not. You're again, Jay. What are they? King Turd. They're King King King, King Tur- Turd up on yeah. Shit Mountain. Yeah. Um. Listen, Wakeful. I think this is a perfect matchup for Pitt. I, I think Pitt. I think Pitt does win this game. Uh, I think they cover against Wake Forest. What I want to know is what the over is. 72 and a half. I'm taking it. That's a lot. Yep. I've been I screwed by it. I've been screwed by these lines before, by big lines this year. The big lines are not hitting this year. Except um, for Wake UNC, where Wake Yes, Wake UNC right? did hit. I did hit that one. And it took me a little I, I had to sweat it out at the end. Um Oh man. And then uh, I think it was like Wake Army where Wake put up 76 yes. points. Wake Army was another one that I took. Yep. Um, listen, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Wake beats them. I don't want Pitt to win anything. Again, I'm biased. Sue me. But hey, I'm, I'm still glad that Clemson isn't in this game. That makes me so happy. I'd rather Clemson win than Pitt. I wish Pitt. I wish Agree to Clemson. disagree. I think Clemson beats Pitt if they're in this game. I would that's be surprised. I would. Be, that's oh, that's really, going back to beating the same team twice. Exactly. I hate I hate Dabo so much. I hate Dabo so much, but I hate Pitt more. 
Good for Penny Kenny Pickett, though. Good for Kenny Pickett. Um, but yeah, I, I take Pitt minus three. Iowa, Michigan. Ten and a half. Okay. So here's my whole thing. And this kind of goes to Oklahoma State as well. Okay. You just beat your rival that you haven't beaten in 10 years. Okay. Michigan's whole thing all year beat Ohio State, beat Ohio State, beat Ohio State. I know that they're better than Iowa, but are they going to be able to get it back up for them? I like Iowa plus 10 and a half. And oh, I'm really tempted, really tempted to, to sprinkle a little bit. But since, again, what I was saying before, uh, I was at 54% last week, which isn't a bad percentage for a whole year of college football. Okay, 54%. I don't think that's bad. I was up 10 units. Um, now I'm down to 50%. I'm like 61 and 60. So because I lost a little bit, I don't know if I'm going to sprinkle that money line, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I do like Iowa plus 10 and a half in this game. Yeah. I like Iowa plus 10 and a half as well. I mean, I think Michigan wins it, uh, but I think it's a lot closer and a lot hairier than they want it to be because of all the men, all the reasons that you just mentioned. Yeah. Uh you're coming off of a huge rivalry game that you haven't won in a long time that has to be emotionally draining. And you you see Michigan come into the national championship, or I'm sorry, they go into the Big Ten championship, maybe looking ahead towards the playoff a bit as well. Yep. Uh, those factors lead me to believe that Iowa will hang around. Yep, same. All right, so now Jay and I are going to get into our top four. So what we think the college football playoff will be if we ended it today. But before we get into that, we got to talk about Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests, it's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. And when you're there, put in referral code BRAN13. That's B-R-A-N-1-3 for me. Or if you want to tell them that Jay sent you, put in BRAND9, B-R-A-N-D-9. I don't know what to do with my hands. The car felt like a spaceship. (laughs) BRAND9. Brand nine. Listen, bowl season's coming up, everybody. Download Odds Crowd. Get in on the action again. No money, no real money, and a, you can earn real cash, real cash money. Joe, so you're risking having a very good year at one. I think one hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars uh, in a in a contest earlier this year. So download the app now. Um, again, I had a very bad week week last week, and uh, I'm out. So I'm out of the long-term competition. Uh, again, not a good week last week for me. Uh, anyway, our top four, Jay, I think you and I have very similar top fours. I'm just going to say mine. You tell me what you have. Um, I have Georgia one, Michigan two, Oklahoma State three, and then Cincinnati four. So I have Georgia one, 
uh, Michigan two, Cincinnati three, Oklahoma State four. Okay, uh, Cincinnati over Cincinnati, or sorry, Cincinnati over Oklahoma State just because undefeated. Yeah, that's okay. that's pretty much it there. Uh, I, I brought this up on Twitter, but I wanted to make sure I said something about it. How funny is it right now that there is a solid chance that you have a Big Ten team at an OSU and a team from Ohio, all possibly in the playoff, and none of those teams are Ohio State? Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be their first just, playoff without Ohio State in a little bit. I mean, but yeah, I, you're I right. That. A team from Ohio and OSU. Oh, man. And a Big yeah. Ten team. And, oh, yeah, and a Big Ten team. Yeah, look at that. Based on what we have right now, hopefully that nightmare scenario that I brought up doesn't play out. I really hope not because that you know Alabama's going in. And then with a loss – who knows if Ohio State jumps Michigan? Yeah. Which would just be stupid. Be absolutely dumb. And again, I think they get away with that. They just put Iowa in. Um, so now, Jay, I gotta ask. Um, why no Notre Dame? Notre Dame, one loss. I know it's a Cincy, but why not Notre Dame? No really high quality one for me. Uh Wisconsin is the only one that you can argue uh is a is a good quality win. And I just don't think Wisconsin is is that good this year, uh, and I think they were even worse whenever Notre Dame played them. They were in a uh, bad way, man. And but that game they, was tied at half. That game was tied going into the fourth. Yeah, I just, I just think that there are better teams out there. If Notre Dame was in the ACC playing for the ACC championship, I have, I think they have a lot better argument. Uh, but they're yeah. not so. But again, I mean, Notre Dame still had to play. I mean, they play a of like five they, they play like five ACC teams but like they played Virginia without Brennan Armstrong they played a North Carolina team that's beat up um they play you know Clemson did they wait did they put no they, they didn't, didn't play Clemson, Clemson this year they didn't play Clemson they so, played Stanford who's absolutely awful this year terrible terrible and they um, played a USC team that is not going bowling either no um and that's that's kind of my thing with Notre Dame I mean I think Notre Dame's good but again they the only I mean, they played Cincinnati. They lost on their home turf. I, I you, you can't put Notre Dame in. And even if Cincinnati loses this weekend, you still cannot put Notre Dame in there. Yeah. Can't happen. 100%. Can't happen. Um, now, Baylor and Alabama, uh, if they win this weekend. They're in, in my they're opinion. They're in. Baylor just replaces Oklahoma State. Um, Bama. I don't know who – so let's just say this. If Bama beats Georgia, what happens? I worry for Cincy. I worry for Cincy too. If Bama beats Georgia – I think Cincy's out because I think Georgia's still in. Oh, 100%. You can't – you can't – you can't kick Georgia. Georgia's going to the playoff no matter what. Yeah. Georgia's going to Unless the playoff Unless they no like – have like 10 injuries and they lose the SEC championship by like 50. Yeah. Um, I think Georgia stays in. I think it would. Oh my God. I just thought of something. This is, this is, so if Bama beats Georgia, this is the, this is the scenario. This is the ranking. Michigan's going to be at one. Georgia at two, Oklahoma state at three, Bama at four. Michigan will 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, the one thing I will say is if Baylor beats Oklahoma State, what they I think they would do is they would do Alabama 1, Michigan 2, Georgia 3, or yeah, Georgia 3 and then Baylor at 4. I don't think they I don't think they want to match up the two SEC teams uh back to back. Oh no, they won't. They'll they won't do that. They'll put someone at 3, so yeah. Yeah. They would do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, conference championship week, it's going to be fun. Um again, download odds crap and referral code brand13 or brand9. Tell them that we sent you. Everyone have a great